What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a new year, and I have a new podcast here at The Ringer, Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi. Austin and I go way back and talk so much hoop already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on all of these conversations. Every week, Pasha and I will hit on the biggest stories happening in the league and get Austin's perspective of someone currently hooping in the NBA. Tap into Off Guard every Friday on The Ringer NBA show feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. Visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. All right, like Manchester United winning trophies, we are back. It is the Ringer Gambling Soccer Show. I'm Steve Servi, as always, joined by the great Paul Carr of True Media. Paul, what's going on, man? I'm currently in the Combine in Indianapolis. I was in spring training in Florida this morning, so my sports Whoa, are all jumbled day. together. But uh, I, I got to see the first half of Arsenal Everton today, which was enough, as it turns out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're bouncing around different sports. My head's spinning a little, but I'm ready to talk some soccer. It is weird. I, you know, of course, as an Everton fan, watch the game, and you know, the the Dice plan was in full effect for forty minutes, and then very they Deich. make a stupid mistake where the two defenders basically leave Saka wide open in the on the edge of the box, and he just rips one of the top corner. I actually have a, a very interesting question that I want to compare Saka to um, later when we talk a little bit more about Manchester United, because as I mentioned, like Manchester United are winning trophies, Arsenal top of the league. Like, what is this? The early two thousands? Like, yeah. it's, it feels good to not just be talking about City and Chelsea all the time. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to mix it up. It's always good when there's more than yeah, the same one, two good teams. It just makes for for interesting stories. It was great that Liverpool, you know, came back around the last few yep. years. It's good stuff. Yeah, uh, kind of broke up that the Man City dominance, I guess, because it's basically mm-hmm. even City and Chelsea that have just run the league. If you you know include if you take out that Liverpool uh, that Liverpool win a couple years ago, it's I don't know. We we root for parity here on the podcast. We don't want just one yeah. team winning every single year. But uh, we'll get to those two games in a second. I'll give the rundown really quickly. We're gonna, as I mentioned, get to 
kind of this United rise and Eric Ten Hag and the vibes are just great in Manchester, really at are. least on that, on the red side of Manchester. And I, I got a couple of provocative questions I want to ask you about that. <laughs> um, we're going to get into, speaking of Chelsea, the absolute crisis with Graham Potter. We haven't really gotten into this a ton, but I mean, the, the, the underlying stats are just horrific. And, you know, you could probably argue that under the previous regime, there's no chance that Graham Potter would still be the manager, but we'll get into that. And Christian Pulisic potentially returning to the squad and how that might impact him and the squad going forward. We got an El Clasico in the Copa del Rey this weekend that we'll touch on briefly. I had a request to talk about the Serie A top four race, so I'll do that a little bit for everybody, which is not me as a Roma fan, uh, just a terrible Roma <laughs> loss over the weekend. So not great timing on that, but we'll get to that as well. And as always, we'll close it out with our best bets. A massive week for your boy. I started 0-3, Paul, and mm-hmm. then I had a fantastic undefeated week last week. There so we'll go. do that at the end of the pod as well. It's a, you're, never, you're never your best when you're at your highs, and you're never your lowest when you're at your lows. That's, you got to right. keep everything even keel. Yeah, but I, I do want to... St- Go ahead. I just say I went one for three. I had two narrow misses, but uh, that's okay. It On is what it is. Week. You got to trust the process. That's something mm-hmm. that keep keep going. You got to trust that you're eventually going to uh, going to be in in the black. But I do want to get to that Everton Arsenal game first. Okay. Talk about the two games that are today. So we don't have to, obviously any Champions League games. We'll get to that next Monday when we do the pod uh, for the start of the second leg of those um, round of sixteen ties. But as we mentioned, Everton just get blasted by Arsenal, top of the table. It's a four nil win for. Arsenal, that puts them five points clear of Manchester City. For Everton, obviously not great for goal difference, but I was talking about this before the pod, Paul. And I I have an Arsenal fan who's one of my best buddies, and we were talking about it before the game. I was like, I don't, like, this is house money for Everton. They already beat Arsenal. You you didn't think you were going to take any points off them this season. You end up getting three. So, you know, this to me, you could lose the game. It's not that big of a deal. And I did, I want to lose it 4 0. No. But at the end of the day, Everton, they just have to beat Forest on Sunday. That's it. I mean, it, yep. This this game today doesn't necessarily matter. They have to just string like probably four or five wins to stay up. I don't think they're going to do it. But to me, this isn't really that much of a, of a big deal for Everton unless the goal difference bites them in, in the ass on the way out. But yeah. what did you make? I know you watched the first half, but you know, it did seem like Dice Ball was in full effect until uh, Everton pulled a classic Everton and made a mistake. Yeah, to the to the big picture, yeah, it doesn't hurt them much. Like you look at the betting odds or any projections, they barely moved because you know you're not expected to take any points at yep. Arsenal if you're Everton. So nothing really changed in that sense. But yeah, the goal difference not great. Uh, and they're still in better shape, I think, right now than some of the surrounding teams. But yeah, four is not good. Um, yeah, I thought you know for yeah 40 minutes they looked like exactly what you hope Sean Dyche would do with Everton, just kind of solidify them. Make them have a plan. I think we talked about this. You know, Leeds doesn't look like they have a plan. Uh, and Everton at least does. So it gives me some optimism. You know, they generated a fair amount of chances in the game. Neil Mopai should have had a goal. Neil yeah. Mopai is going to be the death of me. I can't watch have, him like, miss chance after chance. <laughs> one game and tw- one goal in 20 games or something since <sighs> Everton paid a lot of money for him. Um, it's not great. It's a mess. It's a mess. And they 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 needed a striker in January. They didn't get one. And now they're stuck with Malpay because because Calvert Lewin's a good player when he's healthy. He's right. probably one of the top. He's definitely the top half of strikers. Maybe even mm-hmm. the top like five or six in the league when he's healthy. He had twenty, almost twenty, I think, believe almost twenty goals with uh, when Carlo Ancelotti was at the helm. Mm-hmm. But he just can't stay healthy. And this is a, just a massive, massive mistake by you know the club to not bring in somebody who is a viable option, second option. And Neil Mopai is not that. They have an academy guy, so just not good vibes all around for Everton. But I don't right. think Forrest is particularly good. The KR right. novice thing scares me, but. Again, we won't really find I, again, we won't find out more about Everton until over the weekend. On the Arsenal side, though, I mean, listen, it was doom and gloom after the loss to City. Everyone was basically ready to give City the title. And now Arsenal are even on games and they're five points up. So they still have to go to City. But man, that looks like a really confident team. And I, I wouldn't like today, like look, it's not a 
good win in the sense that it really improves your chances that much, but it's just what it's not drawing, not dropping any points because that's what kills me. Like these are the ones you just have to grind out. And at 4 0, it doesn't look like a grind out, but that first half was a grind for ours. Absolutely. Yep. They weren't generating much. You know, they forgot to ever forgot to, you know, cover Saka for a moment and that was it. And then that dumb quasi back pass for the other goal. Um, yeah, this is just, it's just what you have to grind out if you're Arsenal. They did exactly what they needed to do, you know, generated plenty of chances, converted enough. And this is what you do if you're going to win titles. You have to, win these games you're supposed to win. I mean, it's kind of a cliche, but you just, you have to do it. When you're in a giant title race, this is what, you know, Man City did when they edge out Liverpool and they had, uh, both had a bajillion points. It's, you win these games, on to the next. Do what you gotta do. And that, I think, effectively probably takes United out of the title race. I mean, people were talking about the yeah. quadruple or the, the quadruple, I should say. I can't even Still pronounce on. it correctly. It's, it's on, but I mean, they're not, on. I mean, they're just, they're too far back. They're, I mean, I know they yeah. do have a game in hand, but I think, what are they, 11, 12 points back now? It's, it's just not, it's not happening. Yeah. Stop yeah. trying to make fetch happen. And their, um, their schedule has just been, look, they've, again, they've taken care of business against weaker opponents and they even beat City. But uh, yeah, they, they can't make that up on two teams that are definitively better than they are in, you know, less than half a season now. Yeah. Uh, the other game today, Liverpool-Wolves. Liverpool win 2-0. I don't want to say they're like back because at the, in the last podcast, I think I declared like I just think they're going to finish fourth. I didn't love the betting odds of that because it was, I right. think it was around they're, even money. They're not good. Um, but they end up dropping points last week right after I say that, so great timing. Uh, but they do get the win 2-0 against Wolves and they're, again, six, six points back at fourth place with a game in hand. Now, Tottenham are the team in fourth right now and then you have Newcastle as right. well who are in the mix and I think they have two games in hand too, but I, I'll get to this later. I'm actually kind of I'm selling some Newcastle stock. We talked about this a little bit last yeah. week. I'm, I am I don't know. I just think that I'll, we'll get to that in my best bet. But do you think, I mean, again, I, I just, it's one of those things like don't wake the sleeping giant. I know they have issues, uh, but I could just kind of see them just, I don't know. Just, they're just going to lurk around, lurk around. And you're going to sit here and tell me that do I trust Tottenham to, to, to do, no. to, to do something? I don't try. I, I almost never trust Tottenham to do anything no. productive. And like Liverpool, as long as they're kind of lurking there, they're scary to me, man. I agree. You know, we keep waiting for them to turn it on and they haven't done it consistently for, you know, more than like a game or two at a time. It might help that they're probably going to be out of Champions League and so they can focus on this uh, down the stretch of the season. That I think that's a good thing, really, if you're Liverpool because you're probably not going to win that title. So let's just focus on getting back in the competition for next year. Uh, they've just got to, they need to get center backs help. They need just to get healthy kind of across the board. You know, everyone seems to be dinged up and this is a game here or there, but uh, you get a good center back pairing back. You keep Nunes he- healthy. Jota's coming back. Like, it's right there for them. They, they can't ask for a better situation given all that they've been through and how bad they've been so far this season. It's all still there. So they get that defense shored up. You know, the attack hasn't been all that bad this season. And they've got no. guys coming, so. I was going to say the attack, the attack, you know, Mo Salah, for everyone that wants to talk about how, you know, it's a massive down year, that's just because of how high his standards were before. I think it's still his sixth straight year. Every year he's been with Liverpool, six years, he scored 20 goals. This yep. is another year. So it's like, all right, you know, we're used to Mo Salah maybe reaching the 40-goal mark, but he's still a fantastic player. It's just that they're not humming the same way. Obviously, they're, they're missing some parts. They need some They need some defenders. They need some midfielders. But yep. they are definitely still in the firmly in the mix. And I think probably my favorite to finish in that fourth spot. So yeah. we'll see. And just my, you know, your underlying numbers, your expected goals numbers. They're third in expected goals in the league. They are eleventh in expected goals. That's the Darwin. That's the Darwin Nunes special right there. Yeah. He's he get he, he gets in the dangerous spots, and then yeah. his conversion rate is just kind of terrible. But yeah. I think so, that'll so end up right figuring itself out. Yeah, yep. in the long run. Um, all right, let's get to United here because this is what I've kind of been teasing for a while here, and this kind of ties into Arsenal a little bit too. 
So United, again, we don't both both of us don't think that they're in this title race. Um, the vibes are back. They win the trophy. They win the EFL Cup against Newcastle with Loris Karius, who I don't think had a bad game. Some people no. wanted to blame him for that no. second goal, but you know, yeah. listen, two 0 yeah. it is what it is. Uh, you, you can you've, I've definitely seen worse goalkeeping performances right. than that, and we've certainly seen him. him. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Liverpool fans are probably like, why do you have to bring that up? Sorry, but it is uh, it's, it had to be said. Mm. But I will say, United and Arsenal are now the two favorites as well to win the Europa League. So these kind these two teams are kind of tied at the hip. Now, one of the things that I, I'm kind of interested in is you know, as we progress further in the season, that EPL title race gets closer and closer. Like, does, you know, Arsenal's probably gonna have to make a decision. They're, they're not that deep of a squad, um, you know, and they're certainly going to prioritize the league and winning that. But right now, according to FanDuel, Manchester United plus 240 is the favorite to win the Europa League. Arsenal plus 300 to win. Juve is third at plus 850. So just like a massive fat gap between those teams and the other two. I got a couple questions about them. Because okay. I, I think these two teams before the season it was like, all right, which one's going to make the jump? I think that was a lot, a lot of people were talking about, like, one of these two teams felt like they were going to make the jump. Is it gonna, Was it going to be Arsenal to, to push for top four? I don't think we'd talked about title odds. Um, no. Eric Ten Hag, everybody talked about how great of a coach he was at Ajax. Like, can he do it soon enough? It just took them getting rid of Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo for them to kind of figure it out. If I gave you this, over the next five years, between these two teams, who wins more major trophies, Arsenal or United? What would you take? I mean, today I would go Arsenal only because we have a bigger sample size of what Arteta can do. You know, like he's made kind of steady progress with them over the past two, three years, where you know they're a little better last year, a little better this year. Uh, and you know, Ten Hag certainly could do that. I just wouldn't buy in on that yet from you know, half a season, the last half season or so, where they've looked good against largely lesser competition. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, Arsenal would be the favorite of those two if we're setting lines or something like that. But uh, I would go Arsenal. But you know, even by the end of the season, that could definitely swing the opposite direction to United's favor. Yeah, I mean, if, if Arsenal don't win the league this year, you know, who knows? Like, this could be like right. a, a moment where they they don't take advantage of something and then all of a sudden they regress because they're probably going to regress. This is, this is just, they're playing out of their minds right now and they have been for most of the season. And, you know, I think, they're, I think they're playing better than the sum of their parts. I think they have a good squad, but do I think they're the best team in the Premier League? No. Yeah. Uh, and that's not, again, that's no diss on them. It just is no. what it is. And I, if anything, it's more of a compliment to Arteta and, and his entire squad and team mm-hmm. that, they're, that they are where they are. But I think I'd have to agree with you, though. I mean, man, it just, just because they have a little, a little bit of a jump start, the one caveat, too, that I would throw in there is Casemiro has been so freaking good for United. Yeah, I mean, has. we talked about him and, you know, coming over from Real Madrid and he's 30. Is he kind of past it? Is it is this just like I'm taking a paycheck, getting a five-year contract and, you know, I don't really care anymore. And it's been the exact opposite. He is motivated. He has completely transformed the way that they play. The only issue that I have is, like, can they expect this? How much longer can they expect this kind of play from him? He's, had, he's a, got a ton of miles on him. He's played in a ton of games. And while he's playing out of his mind right now and is allowing United... Because the, the one thing that I think he that is kind of underrated in what he's done is obviously he allows him to play in a single pivot. He kind of just controls right. the middle of the field defensively and allows Fred to go up further. But he also allows Luke Shaw and especially Marcus Rashford to not really have to worry as much about their back yep. as they did potentially with, you know, Scott McTominay in midfield. <laughs> uh, so it's great right now. But I do wonder, like, that is probably, I mean, defensive midfielder and a guy that's as good as Casemiro is maybe the most underrated position all in the entire sport. I mean, obviously yes. goals are important. But, you know, because I think you could make the argument that Casemiro might be the signing of the season over even Erling Haaland. You know, Mm -hmm. I think based on what their impact happens for their squads. But, you know, the Arsenal squad is just a little bit younger. And I think they're sort of 
built for a more of a five-year haul, whereas I do think that there are yeah. some like differences in ages for that United squad. So that's why I probably take Arsenal over United. Yep. Yeah, that's a good point too. Arsenal is definitely set up better. And yeah, Casemiro, I mean, if there were an MVP in the kind of the literal most valuable, most irreplaceable player sense in the Premier League, it's probably him. Because, you know, City could plug almost anybody in, any, you know, average striker into that spot. And, you know, obviously they're not scoring 25 goals. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And But they could probably still be in second place in the league. Uh, yeah, if you take Casemiro out of that, the midfield, because that, I mean, that was the whole problem for United. Like, Casemiro was the perfect signing. I think everyone said it when it happened. On paper, that's exactly what they need. Mm-hmm. You never know how that's going to work out. But it's worked out just perfectly because, like you said, it frees everybody up to focus on doing what they do best. And that's what we've seen so far. They can get guys forward from all kinds of different spots. Rashford's playing out of his mind. Uh, so he's Casemiro. Yeah, I'm not saying he's the best player in the league, but I think he's the most irreplaceable at this point in the season. Yeah. Have you heard, ever heard the story of Casemiro and why he, like when he was like a, a young player and why he chose to play defensive midfielder? I don't think so. So I, I forget where I read this. I'd love to give somebody credit, but I think he, he basically, they were like, you know, how did you end up becoming like basically the best defensive midfielder of your generation? Like, did you grow up? Like most people want to grow up and score goals. Like how did right. this work out? And he was like, when there was a, tr- there was some sort of like tryout or training when he was probably like 10 or maybe even younger. And, you know, the line of kids that wanted to play striker or forward <laughs> was, you know, miles long and nobody wanted to play de- basically defense or defensive midfielder. Right. So he's like, all right, I, I have a better chance at, probably making going pro or being, right. you know, getting a contract or getting signed if I if I play this position. So he chose that. And, you know, it turns out obviously that was the, the best decision. He's probably the best defensive midfielder of his generation. Yeah. And uh I just saw I always I've I heard that story Love years it. ago. And I'm like, that's fantastic. Because like most people at the age of like 10 or 11, 12 or however old they were would have no concept right. of like that and thinking long term like that. And you yeah. know, that's just an it's just an incredible story. It's a smart kid. You always hear a guy Coaches describe players as like he'd do anything to get on the field and he'd play anywhere to get on the field. And there's your uh, literal story. And yeah, if I'm 12 year old, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, and also, tough couple months for Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, <laughs> Messi wins the World Cup and kind of ends the GOAT debate. He leaves United and they immediately turn around and win a trophy. And Marcus Rashford's arguably the best player, at least in form, in the world yeah. right now. So I know he got $200 million from the Saudi Arabian team, but tough, tough, right. tough couple months for a guy there. He had a hat trick, I think, last weekend, but nobody but, cares. Right, exactly. <laughs> no, I haven't cares. seen a second of him play except, you know, highlights that filter through on Twitter on accident. Yep. So nope. He gets a he gets a FIFA card in Ultimate Team every couple of weeks because he scores three goals, but nobody that's all that's the only time I ever hear from him. So yep. uh one last question on this before I got, I got the provocative questions today. Since I, guess, right, I like it's, it. It's like it's like a midweek situation where we don't have Champions League. We got a couple things, so I'm getting weird here. Okay. Uh, just like I gave you United versus Arsenal team-wise, how about this? I was talking about this with my buddies. I have, again, a United fan and an Arsenal fan in my in my close friend group. Rashford versus Saka. Next five years, you get one guy. Who are you taking? Because right now, I mean, people, I don't, he isn't the best player in the world, but nobody is playing better than Marcus Rashford. At least that's what the perception is. But as my Arsenal buddy pointed out, including today, which Saka had a goal and an assist, um, Saka still has more, more goal contributions this year than, yeah. than Marcus Rashford does. So you could argue that he's even better than people who think Rashford is the best player in the world. So next five years, now there is an age difference. Saka, right, I believe, a, is what, 20, 21, 21, 21 and, yeah. and Rashford's 25, I believe. So you're talking, but both of them are still, that's that's still prime age. So close, you get yeah. one guy in a vacuum, not even necessarily in their own teams, but in a vacuum mm-hmm. next five years, who are you taking? Um, I was going to say Saka and the tiebreaker basically is age for me because, yeah. Not a huge difference, but that, you know, into your 20s, 30, you know, Rashford won't be quite the player he is for the next couple of years. Saka, 
I guess Saka still has more upside, I guess, is ultimately what I'm getting at. Like, Rashford can't play much better than he is right now. Saka, I think, still has potentially another gear. Uh, so I would go with Saka of the two if I'm doing it for the next five years. Like, if it's this season... What about next three know, years? Flip a next three flip, seasons. Next three years? Uh, now we're getting closer, right? Uh, right I would yeah. still go with Saka. Same reason. I just think there's a possibility he's got another jump to make in him. Um, but yeah, if it's like today, this season, I don't know, flip a coin. But I, I would just go with Saka on the upside and the possibilities. And, you know, Rashford, again, he can't play better than this. Like, he's finishing... He finishes it on above Unreal. average rate normally, but this is even well above that where he is from a number standpoint. So, you know, he can't finish this well the rest of his career for a few more years. Um, I, yeah, so I, Saka, but I mean, this is like, you know, who's the most attractive supermodel type of thing? There's, <laughs> yeah. there's some subjectivity here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, 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 it's just one of those stupid fun exercises. I went with, I went with Rashford mm-hmm. um, only because I think like... P- People want to when people last year, even the year before, when he was just horrendously out of form, um, were acting like, "Oh, was is he overrated? Was he ever this really that good?" You know, blah blah. blah. United were an absolute disaster. Okay, mm-hmm. they were. There was like, we talked about how Casemiro has changed the team. The manager was, you know, I don't think anybody really liked, uh, you know, always at the wheel, but he wasn't, you know, that wasn't like a great long term play for them. And I think the way that he was set up, kind of like he just he seemed to be burned out. Like nothing was really working. And now that he's sort of rejuvenated and in a better spot, you're seeing how good he can actually be. And I think for Saka. You're right. I think I think it's a little bit more volatile. Maybe his upside is a little bit higher, but everything has been perfect for him so yep. far, right? Yeah, this team, spot. he came in, he started playing left back originally, I guess, I remember for Arsenal, and it was like, who's this young guy? Like, he's pretty dynamic. And to, to, to think of where he is now, he misses the penalty in the, in, the, um, in the Euros, which is obviously pretty devastating. But then to even take it to another level, overcome that and to get to where he is now, I'm surprised he is this good. And he probably does have a higher level. But to me, there's... Like Arsenal and Saka in general, like, there's going to be some sort of regression. He's going to go through a period that Rashford went through where like things weren't going well and you're out of form and the team isn't clicking as well as possible. Maybe there's an injury issue. Uh, so I, I kind of, I'm not, I know it's kind of like being petty and holding that against him, but everything is everything is kind of perfect for Saka right now. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think Rashford has had to like overcome so much to be where he is now that I would slightly give the edge to Rashford. I think he's just slightly, slightly more talented. Yeah. But yeah. again, and we're splitting hairs here, man. Yeah, we are. And, this is I was, I was looking this up on the fly because I was going to say something. Osaka just gets beat up. It seems like subjectively, yep. like his foul stats actually aren't as high as I expected um, in the league relative to other players. But he and Rashford are about the same size. You know, in my head, Rashford is a seems bigger, huge, stronger yeah. player, but he's like maybe an inch taller, and the weight's basically the same, which is interesting to me. Uh, just because yeah, I've, in my head, Saka's a little more of a fast winger, and Rashford's. He's not a number nine, but he's closer to that than Saka is. But uh, yeah, the same size. So I was going to say, I think I'm not sure about Saka's durability, but I'm not sure I believe what I was going to say now. I felt really good about my Rashford pick, and then I saw the goal. If you haven't seen the first goal that he scored against Everton today, I mean, it was just an absolute snipe in the top right nice. corner. It's just like, dude, it's hard, it's hard to, it's hard, you know, it, you could like have like a sniper rifle and not hit a better shot than that. Yep. Like, for, it, it was just absolutely insane. So I was, it had to be kind of second guessing myself, but we'll split <laughs> we'll split it here and we'll let the fans decide. You let us know who you take. Maybe I'm the idiot here, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> um, but anyway, good vibes all around for the two clubs in red, at least in the top six in in England. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house, everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. 
Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Transitioning to a club in blue that is not having good vibes, that is just a complete disaster right now. We haven't really talked a ton about the Chelsea mess so far this season. And it's it's really, I mean, it, it just when you think it can't get any worse, it does get worse. Uh, you know, they they lost to Southampton. They lost to BVB. They don't score any goals. I mean, just just for some context here, they've got no wins in their last six. That's the longest stretch for Chelsea in over a decade. They're 14 points outside the top four. They're down 1-0 to BVB heading back into the second leg at home. We'll see how that goes. I mean, hist- historically, Chelsea are one of the least patient teams in the world. You'd, ima- you'd have to imagine with Roman Abramovich at the helm, like, Graham Potter would have been fired months ago. He would have gotten, like, maybe 10 games in charge. And like, yeah, we got to get this guy out of here. This is, yeah. He's obviously trash. I was a big Graham Potter guy at, at Brighton. I thought he was this innovative, incredible manager. And now I'm kind of second-guessing myself going, was it more of the Brighton system and kind of that club and just how good they are at, like, right. developing talent? And, and yeah, he played a part in that. But they don't, Brighton almost looks better with, uh, with, with this Airby than they did yeah. even with Graham Potter. So now you have all these people asking, you know, sh- should Chelsea be patient with Graham Potter? They obviously spent a ton of money over the January window, they brought in a million players. I don't even, I know that nobody wants to hear this, but I actually think that's kind of a hard thing for Graham Potter. Like for, for you to just have all of these players at your disposal, and by the way, no striker at all to be seen. <laughs> you spent all this money, you bought no striker. Is it weird for me that I am sympathetic towards him? Like, is it maybe me just being like biased because I liked him when he was at Brighton and now I'm like, no, give him a shot. Or like, do you think Chelsea actually should sack him? I would say, what's the point in sacking him now is what I would say. You know, they're in 10th or whatever it is. Uh, and that's not a fluke. Like that's where the numbers say you are this season. And like you're not making Champions League. You're obviously not making a title run. You're not going to get relegated. So there's no urgency in that sense. Uh, I don't know if you care about getting into Europa League. Uh, yeah, I just don't think there's much point. I mean, unless the only reason to sack him would be if they have some specific guy in mind to come in and like he's available now. And if they well, wait until funny. the summer. There were he a couple of Deserby rumors that were like, should Chelsea <laughs> try to poach him from Brighton? Which you're like, I don't know, man. <laughs> you just let Brighton do your coaching searches for yep. you and then take him a year later. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think there's a point to getting rid of him. And, you know, until like a week or so ago, I like Chelsea's expected goals type of numbers, their shot generation numbers were looking better and they just weren't getting results. You know, like they drew Liverpool, they drew Fulham, but they could easily have gotten a goal, maybe won those games. Uh, same thing against West Ham, which was probably a deserved draw, but, you know, things just didn't go their way. Um, even against Southampton, but that Tottenham game, that loss, that was dire. Like Chelsea generated nothing almost yeah. the entire game. Um, I'm not ready to give up on him yet because, again, those underlying numbers were trending the right direction over the past couple weeks, even though the results weren't. Um, so, but it's just, I feel like it's a personnel thing as much as anything. Like, like you said, there's, they have 27 wingers and like half a center forward. Mm-hmm. And this isn't, this is not rocket science to try and figure out uh, why they're not scoring goals. They don't have, you know, true goal scorers. They loan them out to other places and then they score goals and don't, they come back, Lukaku. Um, so, I, I don't, blame Potter for this right now. And obviously, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes and the interactions and all that. But just from an on-the-field standpoint, I don't think this is on him. I think you, you might as well let him finish the season unless there's some guy out there and you know that's the one you want. Thomas Tuchel. The Chelsea fans want him back. Bring him back. <laughs> saying, Let's hey, go. Was it, was it actually that bad? We won a Champions it all League, back. you know? Uh, it, the irony was like, you know, he he wanted more, you know, backing in the market. And man, they really backed Graham Potter. And yeah. 
you know, but again, I, I think, I think we'd be having the same conversations that we're having right. about Grant Potter with Tuchel in there. Cause they don't have anybody to score goals. I'm sorry. Right. Like they I mean, just don't was, have anybody. That was Tuchel's problem too. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. Like, why don't you just ride out the year, see yeah. how it goes. You're, you kind of have nothing to lose. Right. Again, um, if you're, if you're fringe top four or obviously you're in the title race and you know, you think making a change is that 10% difference, then I think it's justifiable. You got nothing to play for, uh, basically this season. So there's really no point. The one, maybe his potentially his saving grace. He's not a striker. He is another winger. But there is news this week, as we as we will talk about on this podcast, about the Americans abroad. Christian Pulisic, oh, potentially, he's he's back in training, could potentially play this weekend. Um, you know, with his injury history, I wonder if they'll just kind of hold him out and, and slow play him, which I think they probably should. But, yeah. you know, this was a guy in Pulisic who was it Lampard's, I think it was Lampard's first season in charge at Chelsea, I want to say, that when, when, he, when he got them top four. Pulisic, down the stretch was the best player on Chelsea. Mm-hmm. He was their best attacking player. He yep. almost single-handedly carried them to the fourth spot and the Champions League. Yeah. And it's it's weird that I just, you know, I know the consistency isn't great. Certainly injuries play a part in that. But, you know, I still look at Chelsea's lineup and their squad and I go, I'm not sure any of these guys are that much better than Christian Pulisic. Now, the other side of that coin would be, do you, as do us as United, as U.S. fans, even want him to stay there? The answer is probably no. But yeah. I do wonder, you know, it didn't seem like Potter really had him in his plans anyway, but I do wonder, like, you got to at least give him a shot if you're not scoring any goals. If these guys that you brought in aren't scoring, you might as well give Pulisic a shot. So, what, what are your take on that? I mean, do you, do you, I, I almost wonder too if it's like, do you just put him in bubble wrap for the rest of the season as U.S. fans just hope he goes to, you know, a different <laughs> yeah. club next year? Yeah. Selfishly, I just want him to be healthy, but I mean, there's not a World Cup on the horizon. So, that's a little less crucial uh, in that sense. Uh, I feel like if I'm Chelsea, then I would probably want to play MA. You can't be worse than the wingers they're throwing out there. Uh, B, if you're going to sell him, I mean, you basically got to figure out what you have. If he plays well, then you either have a guy you can keep and make part of your future, or you've upped his price in the transfer market to to send him wherever you're going to send him. So I feel like they ought to give him a shot at least because nothing else is working. Uh, as a like a U.S. fan, and I'd love to see him stay in England just because that's kind of the trend for where U.S. players are going. I feel like Italy might be a better fit for him. Totally agree. Just given, I mean, you know better than I would. Uh, I just feel like he could fit in, you know, any of those top four or five teams in Italy, like slide right in and like he just fits the way he plays, the way he attacks on the wing, the way he can take guys on, uh, create space, things like that. It feels like it, it would work right in there. What do you think? Yeah, I was. Just, you read my mind. This is exactly where I want to take this. I think Italy is the perfect place for him. I think yeah. I think the the style of play, they're a little bit more pragmatic in how they attack. It's not just quite just like, you know, guns blazing, let's just blast down the wings with speed and pace and intensity. It's uh, a, a, a much more, I think, tactical league. I mean, you talk to any attacking player who goes from the Premier League to Serie A or somewhere from Serie A, and they're like, it just, it's an adjustment to get there because the defenses are different. Um, it's, it's just, it's not this up and down league that you yeah. kind of see in like Germany or, or England, for example. And I think that style would really suit him because he's a guy that wants the ball. Mm-hmm. He likes to make plays. I don't, he has, he's fast, but I don't think he's like a world-class athlete in that sense. Uh, I think, I think you know, if you talk to me, I mean, I'm a Roma fan, so this is going to hurt me to say, but like if you gave me Juventus or AC Milan, yep. I kind of think those are two of the most perfect spots for him. Now, the problem is nobody in Italy has any money, so is Chelsea going to want to <laughs> actually, you know, sell him on a, on a discount price to one of those clubs? I mean, Juve kind of have money, but they're going to be likely be out of Europe, at least uh, the Champions League this year because of their points ban. But in a vacuum... I think one of those, I mean, obviously you could say, all right, do you go back to Germany where he did have a ton of success? I don't know that BVB is the spot though, because no. they're still, they're still developing young talents. So the only not, other place yeah, you're talking about is pay, Bayern, right? They're not paying 
that exactly. kind of money for anybody. And the, yeah. only, the only way they take him is probably back on loan, right? right. And yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just what, what, what the incentive there for yeah. Chelsea? I'm assuming they'd want to get some money back. Right. And I would love to see him in Italy for kind of what you said. It will give him kind of a new thing to figure out given the defensive tactics and such that we often see there. And if he can do that, like that's, as a U.S. fan, that's great because mm. he can take, like he's got to just, the brain's got to think a little bit differently in Italy. Got to solve those riddles that he's going to face. And he can bring that to the U.S. where, you know, you're often seeing, again, these CONCACAF teams especially, you're packing the box. He's got to figure that out, how to deal with that. Uh, it, I'd love to see the game develop in a new way. Uh, just, again, different types of defenses. You're in different systems. You're facing different systems. Uh, it makes you a better all-around player. And ideally, that would then transfer back to the U.S. team and he could be even better for them. Is there a, you know, because I, I, it is obviously great that he is trying to figure out at Chelsea, one of the biggest clubs in the world, obviously a ton of talent, but the guy needs to play. He needs to play 90 minutes or at least like significantly, you know, 75% of the team's games. I just think he needs right. game time. That's, He's at that point in his yeah. career where it's like, he just, you just got to play, man. Like, I don't know what to tell you. And, you know, if, that, if that's even him going to maybe a mid to lower Premier League team, is that is that something? The only The only worry I have with that is like, you know, hypothetically he goes to like Everton and you're just sitting back on the ball and he's defending for 90 minutes like it right. has to be the right team like maybe Leeds is that team but they might be going down I still don't love that fit necessarily now that Jesse Marsh is gone but is there I, I was like trying to figure out is there like a mid-table maybe like a Crystal Palace I don't know that could potentially yeah, take him I mean, in somewhere where they play it at least a progressive style of the sport and not just sit back and defend for 90 minutes yeah and somewhere that attacks I mean like every American do we send him to Fulham because I mean they Fulham go would for be it great. they just go for the it they don't sit yeah. back uh, I mean Newcastle could use somebody like him. Uh, not that far down the table, of course. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're right, though. The number one thing is he's just got to play or, or be put in a spot where he can legitimately earn his starting position, at least, you know, not where he's buried. Uh, and yeah, you don't want him to go to, into the table team where he's not going to have the ball as much. So yeah, any of those, yeah, Fulham, Newcastle, Palace could. They've been, you know, a little more defensive, but I don't know that's a personnel thing or a choice thing. I wonder uh, if he could be the Wilfred Zaha replacement because Zaha's getting up there in the age big, and they give Zaha the ball and just say, hey, kind of like figure it out. And that's kind of yeah. what Pulisic wants to do. So I, I actually do really like that fit. And, you know, I don't, they've, been, they've been a team that's punched above their weight for the entire time they're in the Premier League. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of spots because it is it yeah. is tough. I don't, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want to see him in La Liga. Um, not really. It's just not, I don't really particularly enjoy watching La Liga, which we'll get to in a second. We talk about the, uh, the El Clasico coming up tomorrow which we're, yeah. as we're taping this on a Wednesday. But yeah, I feel like, I feel like Italy, Germany's probably not it or a mid-table Premier League team is probably the best, the best bet for him next year. Yep, I agree. All right, let's actually get into the La Liga stuff. As I mentioned, El Clasico, we have Barcelona versus Real Madrid. We're recording this on a Wednesday. The game is taking place on Thursday. So you'll have to listen to this hopefully before the game actually kicks off. But <laughs> I just want to start with Barcelona first off. Just... What an absolute disaster this club has been. I mean, the thing is, they're actually leading La Liga. Right. And they are not exactly. giving up, like, any goals. Like, they've got about nine goals all season. But they get bounced out of the uh, Champions League, which they, I believe they needed to, to at least... they had. I think it was, like, the quarterfinals that they needed to at least break even money-wise based on all the levers that they pulled and all the loan things that they did to, to fund their entire squad when they had no money. Um, now they're out of the Europa League because Manchester United bounced them out. And they got an interesting little matchup here uh, against Real Madrid, who are coming off, obviously, a massive win against Liverpool at Anfield, which was just impressive as hell to watch. Um, what's, what's your take on Barcelona right now, first and foremost, Paul? I mean, off the field, disaster. I mean, they're making Chelsea or choose your other club just look like they're run perfectly. and just yep. a mess financially and in, in every sort of way. Um, 
I'm At least Chelsea like, have money. Right, their their money correct, is real. It's true. not like made up money. It's not that's monopoly true. money. <laughs> right. They can and, and yeah, they can waste money and it's not the end of the world. Barcelona wastes money and they're just digging their hole even deeper. Yeah, and they, they um, sell half of their like, you know, they they sell half their training facility to some like, you know, local college or something, or who knows. What could go wrong? Yeah. Um so I'm mean, Barcelona, yeah, it's weird because we feel like they're a disaster and then yeah, they're leading the league. Their underlying numbers are not as, you know, they're not as good as they're allowing eight goals all season, but they're basically the same as Real Madrid's this season. So this is not like a total fluke that they're there. Um, I and mean, the biggest challenge right now is, it's, uh, I mean, and it relates to the money, is depth. Like Pedri's hurt, Dembele is hurt, Lewandowski is hurt. Mm-hmm. And when, especially Pedri is not in that midfield, they have no creative juice really. I mean, we saw it uh, in... It's United. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. They were they're just sending crosses in the whole game. Like who was like it doesn't look like Barcelona at all, um, because they don't have that in the midfield any the creativity. So that's the problem, and it, it is I guess a money issue at heart in part because they don't have those players. They haven't developed as many players as obviously they were in the heyday. So that's part of it too. They don't have as much young depth because that that young depth is starting basically. So. It's, they're not in a horrible position, but they kind of are for this game just because no midfield, no Lewandowski. It's, uh, yeah, I haven't, I, I don't know what they're going to do in this one specifically. It's the first leg. So they, I don't know if they just hang on, try to keep it close going home and get some guys healthy or what? It's the first leg at the Bernabeu, so at Real Madrid. Um, just for the, the outline numbers, Real is uh, minus 120. The draw is plus 240. The uh, Barcelona to win is plus 290. Here's why I I'm, I don't I haven't decided if I'm going to pull the trigger on this yet, Paul. But here's why I'm like kind of siding with Barcelona is because they they're going to win La Liga it looks like, but they're out of pretty much every other competition. I would imagine they they put a lot of eggs in trying to win this competition, especially going head to head with Real Madrid in the semifinal. I would think uh, so. so. So I actually kind of like the double chance. Uh, it's it's only minus one twenty for for uh, Barcelona, so that's the win or draw. You throw in, you know, like an under five and a half goals, you can get that pretty close to even money. I don't, I don't hate that bet. I don't know okay. exactly if I'm gonna pull the trigger on it yet, but I think the easy take is, oh yeah, like Real Madrid's gonna blow them out of the water. Look at they just look amazing against, you know, Liverpool. There's some underlying numbers. Maybe you have this that that like they are Real Real kind of outperformed their XG as well. I mean, they're like a counterattacking yeah. team. Vinicius Junior. They do have some injury issues as well, though. Alaba's gonna be out, and I believe uh, Ferland Mendy's gonna be out too. So it's not like they are without injury issues too, but. Yep. I don't know. I feel like the, the obvious easy take is like, oh, yeah, Real Madrid's going to run away with this. I kind of am zagging, and I'm like, maybe I'll just take the Barcelona double chance. Well, I mean, it's just, it's almost a mental hurdle. Like, you see those kinds of prices on Barcelona as an underdog, even against Real Madrid on the road, and just like, man, like, you know, plus two, gotten that north bad, of yeah. plus 200 for either the draw or the mm-hmm. win. And yeah, close to even money for double chance. It, it's tempting. It's hard to pass up. Um, and yeah, Madrid, Madrid can always tend to outperform expected goals, especially in small samples, because they get so many good chances on the counter. And that's where XG will often tend to underestimate opportunities. That's part of it. Um, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not touching this game just because I feel kind of like the Madrid-Liverpool game. It could just go either way really fast. I mean, Barcelona's probably not going to blow out Madrid, but there's a possibility Madrid just runs rampant if everything falls into place. But boy, those numbers, it's just, it's a mental adjustment after these two teams have been so even for so long to try and uh, reckon with Barcelona being such a massive underdog here. Here's where I, I don't hate the under two and a half goals actually in this too, which is minus 116 because we do have two pretty decent defenses mm-hmm. in Barcelona. You have a, 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 all right, defense. You mentioned like the SG stuff might tell a different story, but what they do have are two incredible goalkeepers. And this is a great transition into oh, the next that. topic that I would look like to that. get into uh, because I got a little bit of flack on Twitter during the Real Madrid Liverpool game when 
it was I believe what it was the second goal that Salah scored uh, where he basically just yeah. like made you know it's it a, a massive Courtois error leading directly to a goal Liverpool's up to nothing it looks like they're just going to kind of run away with this thing and Real Madrid are just going to try to keep it close for the second leg it obviously didn't end that way but I tweeted out that I I I didn't think I thought there was a lot of talk about the Champions League last year and how great Courtois was and yep. you know he was the best goalkeeper in the world right that was like the the, the mm-hmm. thing that was being thrown out there. I, I don't think Courtois is the best goalkeeper in the world. I think he's an incredible shot stopper. I think Chelsea fans will tell yeah. you that he's has a lot of lapses in him. He has a lot of like shortcomings in his game. He's not great with the ball at his feet. So my me saying that Courtois is not the best goalkeeper in the world got a ton of backlash. People being like, oh my God, what are you talking <laughs> about? Did you watch the Champions League last year? <laughs> Paul, I'll, I'm gonna, before I even give you my spiel about why I think somebody else is, like, am I, am I dumb? Like, Where are you at on this debate? Keepers are, look, as a numbers guy, keepers are the hardest position to judge because there's there's so many things. I mean, like anything in soccer, it's context dependent. You know, are you looking for him to play with your feet? That's something different to quantify. Uh, there's the shot stopping element, which we're better at at quantifying than we used to be, but still isn't perfect because some of it goes to you know what kind of chances you're giving up, how's your defense organized, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't think you're crazy. I mean, you look at the last. Uh, I think it was, what do I look at here? The last like two and a half club seasons, basically in the top five leagues in Europe, he's in that upper echelon. He's like sixth in goals prevented, means the kinds of shots that you're saving that would have gone in the goal. So he's sixth, you know, which is means you're in that top tier. Um, so from that standpoint, I mean, he's there. Yeah, you make one mistake. That doesn't mean you're not a good shot I think he's in the top five. I'm not sitting yeah. here telling you this guy's a bum. Yeah. I just, I just like, if I'm drafting goalkeepers, he's not my right. first pick. He just isn't. I guess yeah. it also depends on what style you want to play. He right. is perfect for Real Madrid. They they sit back. They want to hit you on the counter with their two wingers. And obviously, Benzema, who's an incredible facilitator and goal scorer. So he's the perfect kind of guy for them. They're not looking to play out of the back too much. Um, but ironically enough, Paul, my my pick would be Allison. And he that, had a I was going to say the same thing. That's exactly what a, I was going to say. He had a terrible game against Real Madrid, right. too. He I think he had like a two-point-something you know, rating. Now, now, Courtois was terrible, too, because he yeah. didn't have a good game either. But Here's why I think it's Allison. And again, this is like in a vacuum, you're starting a team. I think Allison is the best combination, best combination of shot stopper and guy who could play out of the back. He's incredible with the ball at his feet. Sure, he's going to make mistakes. He, ha- he has made mistakes here and there. Um, but like everybody loves to like praise uh, Ederson at, 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 uh, at Manchester City, right? Because, you know, he'll get an assist here and there and he does all mm-hmm. these great things. But I think Ederson actually is not a good goalkeeper. He's not good at yeah. saving the ball, which is the most important thing that you can do. So you need to have somebody who can do both, in my opinion. So, like, I believe Allison is, like, the best version if you, you know, put Ederson and Courtois together. He does both of the things that both of those guys guys do at an elite level at a very, very high level. Maybe not the elitist elite level, but to me, Allison is, like, the if you're building and creating a perfect goalkeeper, it used to be Manuel Neuer, right? He was, he did all this stuff, but he's, yep. you know, he's in his late 30s now. He broke his leg. He's, his career might be over. Allison, to me, is the guy that I would take. I realize he had a terrible game, but it's directly to your point. One game doesn't really change. This guy, this guy won the Premier yep. League won a Champions League. Like, he has the resume that Courtois has as well, if not better. Um, so, again, we're splitting hairs here, but if I'm drafting, I'm taking Allison one, and Courtois in the top five. I'm a little disappointed you stole my thunder because I was going to do the same I'm thing. I'm sorry. I so, didn't mean to. Um, so, yeah, I'll go to goals prevented again. The How many goals you save based on the shots you let in or, or save. He's second in the top five leagues over the last two and a half seasons. Uh, and Ederson is down the middle of the pack, like slightly negative numbers. Actually. Ederson is the most overrated player in the world. I'm gonna, I'll go on record saying that yeah. any position, he's one of the most overrated Maybe. players in the world. Yeah, yeah. And again, it goes to what you need. You know, for Man City, he's still kind of perfect because he's faced faces so few shots relative. Like he's faced what are the numbers here? He's faced two thirds the number of shots Allison has over the last couple of years and a half. So, you know, he just doesn't have to save as much. Uh, and what he does with his feet is a little more valuable. But yeah, I think Allison's the the right mix. Um, 
save, makes the saves, can do the feet. I think he's the guy I would take. And again, it, it sounds funny to say on the heels of a massive mistake with his feet, of course, against Real Madrid. It was terrible. It just get it out, kick it out. He, right. he kicked it right off of uh, who was it? Was it Vinny Junior? Right, and uh, it just yeah. went right in. Yep. Like you just got a blast. That you can't play around in that situation, right. and he screwed up. But you know, it's, it again, what, what, your your lowest of lows. What we talk, we come full circle. Your lowest of lows. That's not who you are. Yep. And you're not your at your highest when you're when you're uh, the highest of highs. But yep. I think my top five in no particular order. I would go Allison Courtois in that mix. Um, I think Ter Stegen's in that mix. He had a rough couple seasons, but he's kind of back this year. I think he's been very good. I want to give a shout out to Mike Mignon, who is... Uh, he's up, who he's is, number four in the goals for Vida numbers over the last couple of years. It's crazy. AC Milan sold Gigi Donnarumma, who was like, everybody thought was like the next up and coming great goalkeeper in the world. He's Italian. And they upgraded by getting Mike Mignon, which is insane. <laughs> that's good work um, right there. So that's four. And then maybe five, you know, I'd probably still put Oblak in there. I wouldn't put Donnarumma in there. I wouldn't put Ederson in there. Um, I don't know. That would be my five, Paul. I'm going to give you number five, even... Uh, this is purely numbers. I have no actual opinion on this. So the number one guy in goals for Vinod over the last two and a half years in the top five league is Edgar Badia from Elche. Okay. Well, faces say a lot of 21 shots. 21 and yeah. a half goals. He does. <laughs> he has faced like 25% more shots than say Allison has uh, in 16 fewer games. So he gets lots of practice. So I, I do not pretend that I have seen much or any of him in that time span. But uh, we're going to plug him in blindly at number five. I, I love it. I love that. Let the, Edgar let the numbers, Badia. Badia the numbers of Elche. Tell you the truth. That's that's wild. So it's it's kind of like the it's like Jordan Pickford. Like Jordan Pickford, I think is is he the, one of the best goalkeepers in the world? No, but he's he's a great shot stopper because he and he's, his save percentage is probably gonna be high. I mean, you could tell me where he is on that list, but like he just faces a ton of shots, and I think he's he was one of the reasons Everton even stayed up last year. Um, but there is a it, as you mentioned, it's hard to tell because like you know Ederson doesn't face any shots, but he gives up like a you know probably more goals than he should. Um, but then you look at a guy like Pickford, he's been just absolutely destroyed by shots almost every single game and his save yep. percentage is probably pretty decent. So yeah, it's he's really top, hard to judge. He's in the top quarter. Overall. He's in the mid-50s or so out of about 200. Yeah. As far so, as goals per I don't know. Yeah. That, that, there's our debate. I felt like I had to bring that up just because Twitter was mad at me uh, last week. But here we are. We've, uh, we've I guess, we've, I, mean, I don't know if we settled that debate, but I at least gave my side of why I think I'm right. That's right. There you go. Um, all right. Let me Before we get to our best bets, because I had a, somebody tweet me in about this, let me go over the Italian Serie A top four race because we had this request and I'll do it very quickly. Uh, and this is coming off of just an, uh, one of the worst losses of any team in the entire season when Roma <laughs> lost to Cremonese, who had not won a single game in Serie A the entire season. They beat Roma at home, uh, and Roma, if they had won that game, would have gone to second in the league, and now they sit at fifth outside of the top four, obviously. So right now, Napoli's running away with the league. Inter is in second with 47 points. Milan is in third, tied for second technically with 47 as well. Lazio, 45. Roma in fifth with 44. Atalanta, uh, 41 and 6. And Juve's still kind of hanging around. They're in 7th with 35 points. I'll say this. I think Inter, Milan, Lazio, Roma, Atalanta, I don't think there's a ton that separates them at all. I think they're all pretty flawed teams. I think Inter is probably the most talented team, although I, I think every year that they haven't had Antonio Conte as their manager, they have sort of regressed. And I don't like them as much because I just don't think they play as well as they should. They still have a lot of good players, but they just, they'll drop games that they shouldn't, that they shouldn't drop. I mean, they should be up there with Napoli. They shouldn't be you know, fighting for a top four spot. They should be firmly in the top four. I think ultimately, obviously Napoli won. I think Inter and Milan, I think both Milan clubs finished in the top four. I think that last spot is probably going to be between the two Rome clubs in Roma and Lazio. You know, if you look at the, the the betting numbers right now, I think that would probably tell you exactly what I just said. I mean, Inter to finish top four is minus twelve fifty. AC Milan is minus five sixty. Lazio and Roma both both plus one twenty five. Um, Atalanta plus two hundred. Uh, Juve is actually plus one seventy five. So they actually think Juve is going to make up some ground on all these teams. I think, man, as a Roma fan, it, I 
I've, I've seen too many bad things happen to them. I think they're probably the odd man out just because I just don't think they have enough firepower. Paul, you can maybe tell me what the, well, what the, like, you I'm know, the numbers actually tell you. I'm going to help you out or give you some optimism. How about that? I know I do know the numbers are good for Roma, but man, the eye, the eye test is bad. So educate yep. me. What, what am I missing? Yeah, so we're just going to keep it simple. Look at expected goal difference. So this is you know roughly what your goal difference will be on average given the shots you've taken. So Napoli is number one, about plus 27 on the season. Uh, Roma's actually number two at plus 21, and they're a little bit ahead of Inter at plus 20. Uh, Roma's been the one, maybe, almost the unluckiest team in Serie A this <laughs> season. Right. So, like so again, their expected goal difference is plus 21. Their actual goal difference is plus 10. So they're underachieving by about 11 goals between the offense and the defensive side. And Lazio is the second best overachiever behind Napoli. So in that sense, again, just, just by the numbers, Roma ought to kind of regress back to the mean and get a little better, start getting luck going a little bit their way. That doesn't always happen in the small sample size of a season. But there's reason for optimism because the chances seem to be there, at least on paper, for Roma. They're creating the best shots in Serie A on average, and they're giving up, I think it's the worst or the second worst as well. So the numbers, underlying numbers look good. Like if you just look at that and throw the so points in record me- out. You're they telling me Roma at plus 125 is actually a decent bet. I would say... Seems good, yeah. Man, I, the cynic in me is just like... <laughs> the difference between that and then those numbers is Lazio have Ciro, Ciro Mobile and Roma don't. Right. That's, I think that's kind of it. Like, he's just that good of a striker. He's been hurt a little bit of the season. But Roma just don't have a clinical finisher up front. They really don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, Paolo Dybala is, is good, but he's not really like a true out-and-out striker and doesn't have a ton of help around him. So, I don't know. I got, I, we've gone long enough on our Serie A minute. People are just like, God, this league, I mean, what are we doing here? Uh, Napoli's already run away with it. Why are we talking about this? I watch it week in, week out. It's a super fun league. Maybe if Pulisic is there next year, more people will watch it. But, uh, man, I'm just I'm just not... Before this game against Cremonese, I was confident Roma would probably potentially finish top four. <laughs> maybe so fourth now. exactly. Now, I don't know, man. They got Juve coming up this week, and if they lose that game, then I think the floodgates might open up. But. I, I tried. I gave you some some. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate we'll you trying to help do. me out. That's what friends do. That's what friends yeah, do. So right. I appreciate you trying to work on the bright side. Of I'm here things. for you, so, Rudy. Speaking of the bright side of things, uh, let's get to our best bets. Okay. Your boy had an 0-3 start in our first pod, 3-0 in his best bets last there week. We seven, there we go. 7-0 in all the bets I gave out in last week's pod. So we are back. Um, maybe it's like an every other week thing. We'll see how it goes this week. You, my friend, were what one and two last week. We're both yep. three and three record wise. You are up uh, about a half a unit, and I'm yep. down a little under a half a unit. So we're about even. Um, you you take a lot more flyers. Like you took, I think Leipzig what plus three forty last week, which yeah. I think was still a good bet. It, it, was, it was right one there. Draw. Like just mathematically, based on the chances and the you know getting that price on it. And out you got okay. a lucky right. with Porto too. You had Porto yeah, red double card chance, and it. they gave up what? Yeah, they gave up what was it, eight. It was, it was after the 80th minute they gave up goal. Yeah, it was, was a red card in like which, 78th and the late goal. Yeah. yeah, and it was an idiot, idiot red card too. It was a second was so yellow. Dumb. It was a terrible, was terrible stupid. decision. Yeah. I did have the under in that game, which hit. I had Napoli. I mean, I had like five Napoli bets that all hit last week because they just <laughs> absolutely carried me. And then I had the Juve against Nance, um, and under five and a half, which hit easily because I think Nance got a red card early too. So. Uh, so all right, so let's do that this week. Um, I guess I guess since I, I'll let you start because we're tied, okay. so I'll let you start. All you right, can, so give I, us your first best bet. I'm going to start then by picking against your boys. I'm going to go with uh, Forest win against Everton at plus one seventy five. I, I don't I don't blame you. I don't blame you one bit. <laughs> Forest has been really good at home this season against all kinds of teams. You know they played the good teams tough. They played the bad teams well. Uh, they've scored in all but one home game. So uh, I think they're better than Everton. That's kind of the the gist of it. They're better. They're at home. They play well at home. Everton can put up some stinkers as we've seen over the past, you know, they bad against was a Villa last weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think plus 175 is a great price on a forest home win. I have no confidence in Everton. So 
Great bet by you. That's all. That's all after that conversation. <laughs> We've done too much Everton on the spot anyway. Um, I'm going to go back to the Napoli. I'm going to hop on the bandwagon again. They play Friday against Lazio. Maybe this is some of my Roma bias, but Napoli money line and they're Napoli's at home, by the way. Napoli money line and over a goal and a half uh, in the game total is minus 105. Uh, give me that. Napoli's going to score two goals in this game, I think. And like, listen, I, Lazio actually have a decent attack. So if they do score, I do believe like obviously this could get a little high scoring. I love the over one and a half and I definitely like the Napoli win. They're rolling right now, man. And I think Lazio, for as much as I just talked about them, potentially maybe being the favorite to finish in that fourth spot, there's a little smoke and mirrors with them as well. They were terrible against Sampdoria and ended up eking out a 1-0 win. The, the ups and downs of Sarri this year have been kind of wild. I don't think they're that good of a team. I don't even hate if you wanted to take Napoli minus one at plus 175. I think they win this game at home. I think they're rolling. I'm going to keep riding them until they prove me wrong. All right. I'm going to go back to England. This is Sunday. Uh, Liverpool-Manchester United. Here's our big game of the week. Okay, uh, here we go. I don't have a side here, but I, I'm going to pull us a Rudy parlay here. Uh, I like both yes. teams to score, and I like over two and a half goals. And that builds that. to, what did I get it to here? Minus 120. Might be able to find a little bit better. Um, I just, this is, again... I don't know what I'm going to get with Liverpool, except I'm pretty sure there's going to be goals one way or the other in this. United's been playing well, generating chances. The defense hasn't been great. Yep. It's been okay. And Casemiro, as we've talked about, has done his job. Uh, I just think there's going to be, both teams are going to get a goal. You know, this could be a 2-1 either kind of way. Could get, you know, messy sloppy like Liverpool Real Madrid did. So over two and a half goals and both teams to score minus 120 and Liverpool United for me. I love that bet. I didn't ha, didn't have it on my list at all. I didn't even like kind of look into the numbers on that. I absolutely love that bet because most people like the over two and a half to begin with. And you're you're right. I think both teams likely score in this game. I mean, I, you, listen, I think it's almost guaranteed United are going to score. I don't trust Liverpool's defense at all. It's just whether or not Liverpool score or not. And I think they do. I think this is going to be an up and down game. Obviously, a big rivalry game. Uh, I, I I absolutely love that bet, Paul. That might be my favorite bet of the week, and it's not even one of mine. So all right, all right. Um, I'm going to go to for my second one. I'm going to take City. And I'm going to take them at money line at home against Newcastle and the under three and a half goals. So again, a little Ooh, bit of a Saruti okay. special here. Let me tell you why. Most people are like, wow, this game was 3-3 in, what was it, yeah. August. It was one of the best games of the season, up and down. That is not who these two teams are right now. Newcastle, are a are, are uh, score, scoring goals is just a general concern for them. They've only scored five in their last seven games. They're middle of the pack in XG since January. Both of these teams are also good defensively. City have only conceded one goal in their last six games. I think City win this game, but I think it's 1-0, 2-0, maybe 2-1. I, yeah. I think that, I think uh, Newcastle is going to struggle to score, period. So I like City in the money line. I like the under three and a half goals. I like the plus money at plus 118. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I just I don't think we're going to see the 3-3 that people are expecting from the first game. Yeah, I don't hate that either. Um, I'm going to, for my third one, I'm going to stay in England also. And this is like the opposite kind of game from Liverpool United. Uh, I'm going to Wolves Tottenham, and I'm taking under two and a half at minus one twenty six, which I think is Smart. a really good price. I mean, we talk about anything could happen in Liverpool United. Nothing could happen in this game. Uh, five of the last seven Tottenham games have been under uh, Wolves. Five of the last six, if you throw out their games against City and Liverpool, which are weird, they've had two or fewer goals. This is just what both teams like. Like both teams would love a tight game and try to steal a goal and be very happy with. Like if either team scores, they may not cross midfield the rest of the game. It's going to be a one nil type of sort of game. So under two and a half, minus 126 for Wolves-Tottenham. Uh, that's my third play. I've got two options for my last bet, Paul, and I want your input okay. on it. Okay? Yep. Number one, this one you might not know a ton about. Uh, it's I'm going to go back to Serie A. Inter minus one against Lecce at home is even money. Okay, I think so Inter, they got to win by two. Got to win by two, coming off of a loss. Now, Lecce aren't terrible. They've actually beaten some decent teams this year. They played Roma well. They, they, they're kind of a giant killer. But I think... 
you know, enter like either you got to put up or shut up right now. You're tied for yeah. second. You're in jeopardy of, lo- but you're in jeopardy of dropping out of the top four. Milan has tied you and you're coming off of a terrible result against Bologna uh, last weekend. I think Inter shows up. I think they put their foot kind of on Lecce's neck. Lecce is not that good of a team on paper. They just, they've, they've, you know, they've kind of been punching above their weight. So for yeah. me, that's my first one. I like it at even money just for them to win 2-0, you know, 3-1, whatever it is. Uh, and my second one, this is, I think, maybe you might like this one better. Leeds Chelsea under two and a half is minus 104. Oh. Now, the reason I like this is because one, Chelsea don't score goals. And two, Chelsea kind of don't give up that many goals either. Right. I know Leeds are like kind of sporadic and kind of insane and yeah. potentially could make this thing a little bit of chaos. But I think Chelsea are going to be careful. Again. Like, I don't think they're... Like all of a sudden, Grand Potter's going to be like, hey, let's just open this thing up and try to score a million goals. It's not what they've been playing like so far. So I think, and this game is, by the way, at Chelsea. So it's at home. So mm. it's not like Leeds are going to be playing at home and have the home crowd behind them. So that's, both of these bets are like near even money. Is there, do you, I'm going to, I'm going to leave you the tiebreaker here. What do you like? Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely more familiar with the English side. So that's where I lean because like Leeds has not been good offensively under Marsh. Like five out of six games, I think it is less than one expected goal for Leeds. And the defense is, hasn't been awful. Uh, for them either. So, yeah, I kind of like that around even money, under two and a half. The the Inter Lecce one makes a lot of sense to me. Again, not as familiar That's with a vibes that. Bet. It's more but, of a vibes bet. Well, I mean, yeah. it's one of those classic, like you said, you come off a bad loss, you're coming home like it's a bad team, you're just going to beat them down and get your three points easily. It, it makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, Inter's underachieved a little bit this year from the numbers. Lecce, again, bottom third of the table, whatever. Makes sense. I, I would lean toward the English side, but that's more of a, a comfort and familiar familiarity than why, anything for me. Why don't I do this? I'm going to take the Inter one just because it's slightly better money. I'll take I'll take that. I'm yeah. going to probably bet both of these games. So if you want to bet both, go right ahead. But my official pick for my third pick will be the Inter minus one. So to win by at least two goals against Lecce right. over the weekend. So, But again, I think the Leeds-Chelsea one is, is, is another good one. It's going to be a boring... I think it's going to be a boring game, period. And it'll probably end up like 1-0 either side. Um, All right. So, so there you go. All right. Like well, it. that's it. That'll do it for this. Next week, we'll be back on Monday again uh, because we do have the Champions League second leg of the uh, round of 16 kicking off. So we'll kind of break down those second leg matchups as well. Um, I'm trying to think anything. I mean, we you know, we'll obviously talk about some Premier League stuff as well. Uh, hopefully, maybe we get a, a Christian Pulisic appearance this weekend. Maybe we don't. We'll talk about that for sure as well. But um, and before we go, Paul, anything else you want to add? No, should be good. I'm excited. So the All second right. leg, this is kind of, I always think when Champions League takes off, we'll talk about it more next week. But yeah. the second leg, round of 16, now we're, now we're going. Let's go. Yeah, Let's it's, go. it's definitely an interesting way to bet, too, because you're obviously looking at the aggregate scores and what how many goals teams tend to win, what teams are going to be sitting back. So it actually is kind of like a fun thing to bet, and we'll uh, we'll be yep. all over that next week. So, all right, that'll do it for us. Thanks, to, as always, to the great Paul Carr. Thanks to Spawn Anderson for producing this podcast. Good luck to everyone's bets, and uh, we'll chat with you guys next week.